Welcome to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive, featuring conversations with performing artists and industry influencers on what it takes to succeed in the arts. I am your host, Diane Foy, and I believe that you really can make a living from your creative talents. As a publicist, podcaster, and coach, my mission is to educate, motivate, and empower you to thrive with authenticity, creativity, and purpose. Hello and welcome to episode 57 of Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Hey, do you remember our guest from episode 49, Broadway actor Brett Shuford, also known as the Broadway Life Coach? Brett has created this really fun and creative way to add more positivity to your life. The Actor Mindset Reset. It's a free 14-day video series where Brett shares a daily inspirational video highlighting a different aspect of mindfulness as it relates to the performing arts. Sprinkled throughout the training are seven unique coloring pages created in collaboration with Coloring Broadway to help release anxiety and solidify that day's training. Inspiration, musical theater, and coloring. Does it get any better than that? So why coloring? Coloring is a non-cognitive artistic activity, meaning it both calms your mind and frees your creativity. Coloring is known for lowering cholesterol levels, calming nerves, and reducing stress. Damn, I gotta go revisit those coloring pages and do them. <laughs> yes, it's about making time, you know? It's, I'm always, rush, 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 take a moment, color. Because the act of creating without thinking puts you into the flow state where you're allowing ideas to come and go without forcing them. You become more receptive to the here and now. And regardless of what is happening in our minds, as we try so hard to predict the future, the here and now are always beautiful. It's no surprise that coloring is a favorite backstage activity on Broadway. Kids, adults, especially swings and standbys, amidst the energy and sometimes chaos that they feel, the urge to free their minds and create. The actor mindset reset is not limited to a specific time period. It will begin whatever day you sign up and continue for two weeks. So click the link in the show notes to sign up. And I hope you enjoy some coloring and freeing up your mind and being creative. My guest today is actor, filmmaker, and podcast host, Ashley Tabatabai. After growing up in Spain and then attending university in the UK, his focus gravitated towards an acting career. As I'm sure many of you actors can relate, an actor's life consists of numerous auditions, and rejections. 
Ash wasn't going to let that stop him, so he began to write and produce his own content and went on to premiere an award-winning short film at the L.A. International Short Film Festival. I wanted listeners to hear about his experiences with creating his own content as an actor, and also about what he's learned from interviewing casting directors on his podcast, The Ash Tab Show. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Dan. I loved what you were saying about actors creating their own content, and I think that's really important these days. And so maybe we could start there. Just tell me a little bit about your views on that and your experiences with that. Yeah, I kind of think it's everything, if I'm being totally candid with you, because it's the one thing that we can have some degree of control of in a very uncontrollable industry. And well, if we want to get super meta, life isn't something we can control anyway. So it gives us a bit of power. And I think as actors, it's easy to step into the industry and feel like the power isn't in our hands for whatever reasons. We're really good at self-sabotage sometimes. And I think when you make your own stuff, it takes the pressure off a little bit. You realize you're not waiting for the phone to ring for an audition and that the audition side and the booking the job is important, but that it's actually like one strand of how you can tackle this, this career and that there are other strands to it as well. And, and making your own work is, is one of them. Um, and for me, you know, I kind of took the leap about six, seven years ago. And like, I started small, you know, I did a few scenes and then built from there. And then it became a mini series. And then it was a short film. And, you know, now I'm at the point where it's about, okay, how can we do something bigger and get funding? And you just gradually scale from there. And it feels more wholesome for lack of a better term, because at least you're getting to tell your stories and create stuff without the the worry of, hey, when am I going to act again? Yeah, and I think that's just so important because, you know, actors, musicians, performers of all kinds, we sometimes you sit back and wait and it's like, well, I want this so bad. Why won't someone give me a chance to do what I want to do? And it's like, well, Quit sitting around, do it, <laughs> figure it out <laughs> to figure out how to create your own projects. And, you know, then you may get the other opportunities as well, but at least you're doing what you love to do. Well, that's it, right? I think, are you doing it for the artistry or are you doing it for the paycheck? And I think the two can meet, but a lot of times we're just doing it for the credit or the paycheck because we feel like we're trying to climb this ladder and like, this isn't finance. It isn't like you do job A, B, C, D, you then get promoted. It's, it's a very uncharacteristic, unlinear career path. And so, you know, we have to find ways of, of creating on our terms. Um, and it takes the pressure off a little bit. And before this, were you, how was your acting career going before you decided to start doing your own projects? I mean, like many people, and probably not that different to how it's going now, auditioning a lot and not getting much, if anything, back because that's just the nature of the game, right? Um, I think I started doing my own projects at a time when the 
sort of DSLR cameras and the technological advancements that we have now were just coming in and and now it's even more prevalent and it makes it easier. But before that, yeah, I'd book some commercials and, and some small roles and some indie films, but a lot of it was, you know, I say to people, I've auditioned for everything you heard of. I just haven't got it yet. <laughs> what have been some of the highlights of your career? You know, I do think it is the stuff that I've made myself just because it feels more rewarding, I think, for two reasons. Number one, because you're more involved in the whole process from start to finish. So it is like your own creative baby. But also because, you know, some of the short films I've made have helped other people as well with their line of work to, you know, a DOP friend used it to get more work as a DOP and one of the composers got more work out of it. And I think that's really, that's really cool to be able to bring together that collaborative group of people and have everybody get something out of it. And I'm doing air quotes, like everybody wins. Um, and so those are the ones I look on more fondly just because I think the impact is more than just the end result on the screen. Yeah. And what are, what are some of the challenges of creating your own content? I know there's probably a hundred million. <laughs> yeah. Like which ones come to mind first? I mean, at the beginning, starting out the age old question of, of budget and funding is going to be one, right? Because you can do things for free or little to no money at first being smart and that's cool, but eventually your desire and your ambition increases and then budget does become required. I did self-fund the project myself. Um, I think I put about, I want to say 30 to $35,000 in over the course of two years. You know, not everybody can do that. If you can do it, you don't want to be doing it forever unless you're one of the Duplass brothers. Um, and so at some point, you know, you need to look at the financial challenge of wanting to match your ambition with what it's going to cost. So that's one. Um, I think the other challenge creatively is some of the mindset stuff that can trip you up, right? Like, okay, you want to make a project. Well, then the initial thing that comes into your head is, I've never done this before. I've never written before. Who am I to do that? No, I'm not a filmmaker. I'm just an actor. I just want to act like all these different things that are limiting beliefs that could crop in to sort of stop you from taking the action. And it's all just different ways of disempowering yourself that appears in, in different guises. And ultimately, you know, um, yeah, you're not going to know how to write because you've never written before. And that was kind of what I told myself. And just, you know, push yourself to do it as much as you hate it. And don't worry too much about whether people are going to like it or not, because you can't control that either. Like that's the other challenge to get your head around. Some people like your stuff. Some people hate it. Some people blow smoke up your ass and say they like it, but you know, they're just blowing smoke. And, and it's kind of letting go of all those judgments a little bit and just doing what you feel you want to do, because if we don't tell our stories, no one's going to tell them for us. Yeah, that's why I'm a coach. There you go. I, I coach uh, performers on all that stuff. Like, definitely, I, I'm a PR and marketing coach, but it all starts with who you really are, what you really want, your limiting beliefs, core values, all that stuff, all that good stuff that builds the foundation of who you are and what you well, want. Well, that's it. Because 
you know, I've been talking to a lot of casting directors this year and I've been really lucky to gain their insights. And one of the key things that comes across is that, you know, they don't want you to come in and please them or show them what you think they want because half the time they don't know. And they can sense it when you're trying to do something that's not authentic to you. And so really, more than anything, it's more of a mental game and a mindset game than it is anything else. Technique is important. Good classes and training is, of course, important and, and they need to be done. But you need to have the the mindset to deal with the industry and the rejection and not getting the work and still being able to go into an audition and do something that's authentic without having all the stuff running in your head, blocking your artistry. And that's so much easier said than done, but that's a big part of the work that doesn't seem to get discussed as much as maybe it should. Yeah. And I'm also thinking like with creating your own projects, you don't have to do it alone, you know, meet Mm -hmm. up with a, an aspiring screen act screenwriter, an aspiring director get all get all together and collaborate well that's it right you said the key word the the word is collaborate i mean yeah i'm kind of saying that like i've done all these projects by myself which is complete nonsense i have a a couple of friends first who just so happen to be directors editors and cinematographers and so bringing them together we collaborate and we all benefit from creating stuff and i think you know, that comes by just finding your peers as you're going through your career. And, you know, we all kind of focus on trying to get in the good graces of the people that are like five, six, 10 tiers ahead of us, because we want to get into the big Netflix or Amazon project. And that's totally fair. But I think a lot of the times the people that are in sort of tangential disciplines to us in our field that are coming up at the same level as us, are also great people to have as allies and collaborators because they're going to have the same hunger and desire as you are to grow and expand and create and do stuff. And I think, you know, those are potentially just business and and creative collaborations, but can also be life friendships. Yeah. And so uh, what made you start the podcast? To talk to casting directors? (laughs) No, that wasn't actually the initial plan. It was kind of one of them. I I sort of toyed with the idea for a little while and then left it. And at the turn of this year, one of my friends kind of just said to me casually, oh, I think you'd be really good as like a host on a show or something. And I'd never spoken about it to her. And I thought, huh, interesting, because I'd kind of mulled over it and never pulled the trigger. So I chose to start it back in January. And my initial plan was just to talk to different people from different walks of life because, you know, I've, I've been an actor and a filmmaker and I am, but I've also worked in other disciplines and I've worked in digital marketing. And I really wanted to just talk to people about the idea of storytelling from the perspective of how we tell stories through film and TV, how we tell stories through marketing and advertising. And then I guess ultimately sort of how we tell stories to ourselves and the mindset side. And so my guests initially were a whole different array of people and then COVID hit and I'd always planned to talk to casting, but I wanted to build up, uh, I guess, a backlog of episodes and cut my teeth as well a little bit to figure out what the hell I was doing. And I got to about sort of seven episodes in and I realized, huh, 
looks like casting people have a lot more free time now than maybe they would have before. And I just pulled the trigger and reached out to a bunch of them. And lo and behold, you know, quite a few came back and they were really gracious with their time. And um, I was really lucky that, you know, early on I got a few yeses and from there it just kind of snowballed. And once, you know, I got a few in, more kind of looked at that and were happy to then get involved. And I think I've probably interviewed, I want to say about 30 so far this year, which which is kind of nuts to think about in such a short space of time. Yeah, that's amazing to get an insight. Um, did you find that the same answers kept coming up or was everyone completely different? So yes and no. I think that's the thing. Because the one thing that's a big through line is it is so subjective. So what one person likes or thinks can be very different to what others like and think. But there are some common threads, right? I think, you know, one big one that always comes out is that the the casting people are on the actor's side and they're not some kind of gatekeeper, which I think actors sometimes think that casting are maybe working against them or they don't like them and all that stuff. And, you know, the big line that many seem to come back with is that if they've called you in to audition or asked you to self-tape, you've won. You know, the number of people they see can be in the thousands for one role in a submission to then whittle it down to a small number of people. That's a win. If you don't book the job, that doesn't mean that your work wasn't good. It could be a zillion different things that have nothing to do with you as to why you didn't book it. So that's one, I guess, big thing that always seems to come out. And the other one is the really sort of intangible, mystical thing, which they say in different ways, but they all say the same thing, which is what they look for is is a vibe. It's an essence. It's wanting to be able to feel that the person is bringing part of themselves authentically to the story and that they're not trying to portray something in a way that isn't true to who they are as a person. And I think those are two of the big key things that seem to crop up over and over again. Cool. Did anyone uh, say something that really surprised you? So, yeah, I think the one thing that really stands out was I mentioned the gatekeepers thing, right? And most of the people, when I talk to them that uh, bring it up say, no, we're not gatekeepers. We're not keeping anyone out. Like, you know, we're here to bring everyone in. There is no gate. And then I spoke to a lady called Jane Jenkins, who's now retired, but she's actually cast. I would say any of your favorite films have probably been cast by her. Hook, When Harry Met Sally, A Few Good Men, the list goes on and on. And she actually said to me, no, I am the gatekeeper. And that took me back for a second. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> Everybody else has said they're not the gatekeeper. You're telling me you are, but your career makes me want to listen because you've done so much. So what do you mean? And she said, I am the gatekeeper. It's just that my job isn't to close the gate to you. It's to open it. And I thought, huh, Yeah. that's a really interesting reframe on sort of actually what it is. There is a gate but it's just that casting's job is to be the bridge. And that was a surprise, but a really nice one because it really made a lot more sense to me. Yeah. I mean, gatekeeper is kind of like, you know, a trendy word of like you're waiting and getting the 
gatekeeper's attention. Uh-huh. Um, but it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Well, we need someone, right, to kind of bridge between the yeah. director and the producer and the project to the actor. Otherwise, it would be a free-for-all. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there is they, – they are the controlling person in the middle there, but they're not – blocking you from getting in i think was the point yeah if you got in the room that's your opportunity exactly what, what was your first interest in acting were you um interested at a young age or did it come later yeah i i think i always kind of have the consciously or unconsciously answer to that question because i suppose like unconsciously if looking back i was probably always lined up to do that from you know a super young age but I didn't really tweak until I was maybe 14 15 ish around that age um and you know we did the whole high school plays and drama and all that stuff and um I remember doing a play and I thought in my actor's ego that I was going to get the lead part and I didn't and that burnt that burned that hurt and I thought you know uh, not only did I not get the lead, I didn't even get like, you know how normally if, if you're not a big part in, in a high school production, you then will get three or four parts smushed together. So you've got a bit of stage time. I didn't even get that. I just had one small part. So like three scenes. And I took that, I took that as an affront at that age. Um, and <laughs> I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to forget it. I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm going to just do my best and almost, I guess my ego was saying, I'm going to show them. Um, and it was a comedy. And I remember that for the first 10 minutes, there were polite laughs, but you know, when you're performing to peers who are kids in high school, they're harsh critics. And I remember going on and doing my first scene and it just flowed and it clicked and, and people laughed and it was organic, like actual laughter. And I came off stage and I went back and one of the girls uh, backstage came to me and she said, how did you do that? And I genuinely didn't understand what she meant. I said, what do you mean? Do, do what? And she said, how did you make them laugh? And I told her, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't realize I was doing anything. They were just laughing. And that was the first moment where it kind of maybe intuitively clicked that I don't know if there is something here career wise. I didn't even think it was a career, but it felt like there was something that just sort of fit uh, quite well to who I was and who I am as a person. Um, and that was, I guess the first sort of ember of, of, of a fire sort of being lit around that time. Um, and then I kind of left it be for a while. I went off and did academics and did a degree in management and, then in earnest in my final year of university, something still felt like it was missing. And I thought, now nah, I got to go and revisit the, the acting and creative side because um, that, that itch isn't being satiated. And that was when I in earnest then pursued things from a career perspective. Right. And what is left for you to, what, is your, what are you aspiring to now? Like what are your future goals? keep making more stuff. You know, I think it's as simple as that. And, you know, yes, book, book jobs and all that great stuff that we want to do. But I think for me, I really believe in this idea of the internet being a bit of an equalizer. And I genuinely 
believe that everybody can carve a niche for themselves as a creative. And so I'm really trying to focus on that. You know, I want to look at what the big studios and networks do and try and model something similar to that, but on a smaller scale and create shows and films and partner with other people and help bring their stories to light. And um, that could be fictional. I'm sure it will be for the most part fictional, but even, you know, non-fictional stuff such as the podcast. And I, I sort of see it as, building creative assets and making more stuff to put out into the world. And uh, for me, that's sort of the, the, the aim and, and the goal to just keep doing that. Cause I think there's more power in that for, for an artist. Um, so where can people find you online? Where what's the link to your socials and, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Ashley Tabatabai. I will send you the link. I would never make anyone try <laughs> and spell my my last name. Um, yeah, Instagram and Twitter are probably the best places. And then for the podcast, um, it's on YouTube, which is the same handle as my socials, or um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those good places. It's the Ash Taba Show. Cool. I'll include the links, of course. And uh, yeah, anything, any final words of wisdom? I don't know about wisdom, maybe final words. You know, I think it's it's that whole thing of we're in a very uncertain time in an uncertain industry anyway with COVID and everything we're going through. And I think people are naturally, you know, a little edgy and unsure of what's going to happen. And I just feel like there is a lot of potential negativity that we could feed into that, but I don't think we have to do much work to let that into our lives. I think the real benefit is finding the silver lining and the positives. And some of that is we have a bit more time to focus on, I guess, really being a bit more self-aware of what we want to do and create for ourselves and with our careers. And I think when we get out to the other end of the tunnel of this weird pandemic, if we do that kind of work, we'll be in a much better place once the industry's full tilt again. Yeah. It goes back to well, where we started creating your opportunities. There you go. Cool. It's like we planned it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review it on your preferred podcasting app. And for links and a transcript, visit singdanceactthrive.com slash 057. Thanks for listening to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Be sure to join the mailing list at dianefoy.com to gain access to exclusive bonus content, a weekly newsletter, and an invitation to our private Facebook group of purpose-driven performing artists and industry influencers.